Good evening, church. You know, as wonderful as this is, it just still feels wonderful. <laughs> Doesn't it? I love it. All right. Turn in your Bible to the second chapter of Luke. Sometimes it's a lot easier to pull out some obscure passage from the Old Testament that nobody but you has read and then make up a bunch of cool stuff around it rather than to plow through passages that we have heard maybe if before we were before we were ever believers maybe we're in the church we were familiar with certain passages of scripture if nothing else maybe we heard Linus reciting the Christmas story and the real peanut special when we were growing up some folk here are old enough to understand what I'm talking about all right not this new Peanuts movie. I'm talking about the real Christmas, Charlie Brown Christmas. With Never mind. All right. But the challenge is when we continue to read the same passage of Scripture, can we continue to squeeze some juice out of it? And I believe that part of what makes the Bible what the Bible is, a living word, is that every time we approach this passage or approach any passage of Scripture, it can continue to speak to us if we will continue to squeeze on it hard enough. So let's look at this passage again tonight, and I want to exegete through these, these ten verses and find some things here for us tonight afresh. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 18. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Well, Jesus continued to speak to us tonight from the miracle of this story. In Jesus' name, amen. Shepherds, this was a job you didn't want. This was the janitorial job. This was the entry-level call center job. This was the would-you-like-fries-with-that job. And shepherds were not held in high esteem be it in society or economically or any other way. They were sort of at the bottom, if you wish, of the hiring ladder. It wasn't a difficult job. Just had to keep a bunch of sheep in one place and keep, folk, uh, keep, keep the things away from the sheep that wanted to make the sheep a premature meal. It's pre pretty much what the job was. It was pretty mundane. Living out there in the fields, they didn't, they didn't clock in nine to five because... Those things that would come and scatter the flock, they weren't keeping a nine to five. So they were having to literally live out there with these animals. 
mundane. Certainly not expecting on this particular night anything to happen other than maybe the occasional bump that had happened on some nights before. Pastor Brett spoke a sermon this past Sunday about going to the next level, but that next level is getting low. And it's interesting that of all the folk that the angel could have come and made his announcement to, could have shown up in the CNN newsroom or Charisma Magazine or the Washington Post or, you know, could have shown up in the highest levels of government or shown up with the religious leaders. It was with shepherds. It was with those who had assumed a lower place in society and culture. This was the group that heaven chose to reveal this message to. Very interesting that many times this is the very place that God Himself can be found. It's not when we are in an esteemed place, but it's when we are in a low place. And it's amazing to me how we work so hard to stay out of the low places. And yet it's in these very places that God will come and meet us so often. How many of you have noticed that when you're on top of your game, God didn't have a lot to say? Because you're the one doing all the talking. You've got a lot to talk about. But it's somehow when we get into these lower places, it's like, I got nothing. I got nothing to offer. I got nothing to say. As God says, now we can have a conversation. Now we can have some real revelation can begin to come. This is the place. This is the backdrop by which this happens. But it's interesting that it also happens at night. At night. It happens in the darkness. And often it's in this place where visibility for us is it's either low or non-existent. That in these moments, God will break through when we can't see anything else. Now, these shepherds have been trained to see in low light. They didn't have any of the gizmos and gadgets that the military and law enforcement have that allow you to see things in low light based on heat sensing. But somehow, these shepherds, they had adapted their eyesight to be able to detect movement, to see things even in the darkness. Listen to me, saints. Some of us need to adapt our eyesight to see better. Not just when the lights are bright, but when the lights are not so bright. Let me just tell you, aren't you glad that somehow your eyes adapt quickly when you stumble out of bed at 4 a.m. to go find the little boy's room? Aren't you glad that your eyes can adapt so you're not slamming into furniture and walking into walls? And yet, we need to ask God, help me learn. Teach me to see in low light places. And God will break through. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, in this particular moment, it's very, very hard not to know something's happened. Because an angel has shown up. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 3. 
The people walking in darkness have seen a what? A great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. And saints, listen to me. Darkness, and there's a moment that we have to learn to navigate the darkness, but darkness and whatever defines it, whether it's sin, whether it's a lack of revelation, confusion, sometimes there's darkness that's not necessarily darkness born of sin. Hear me, saints. So many times we think darkness is always the result of something that someone's done wrong. But many times darkness is just a place that we find ourselves. Are you aware of that? Confusion, not necessarily born of sin. You realize that we were once defined not just as living in darkness, but as darkness. Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verses 8 through 14 It says, you were once darkness. Not you were in darkness. Not you were operating in darkness. You were once darkness. That's how you were defined. But now, says, you are light in the Lord. And it goes on as an admonition, live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. And it goes on, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of what? Darkness. But rather expose them. For it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it's light that makes everything visible. This is why it said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-7. through 7. This is the message we've heard from Him and declare to you, God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and don't live by faith. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. Darkness always has to yield to light. Light never yields to darkness. Let me say that again. Darkness always has to yield to light. Light never yields to darkness. Now, that seems like a very, duh, yes, of course, Pastor Jim, tell me something I don't know. But there's a lot of depth in that statement. Sometimes we think that light comes and it mixes with darkness. And so it's just not as, it's not as dark anymore. It's just dim. But let me just tell you, the nature and the definition of darkness changes in the presence of light. You take a three-watt nightlight in your, ha- in your home, let me just tell you, it's not dark anymore. It may not be bright, but it's not dark. You can see enough to walk. You can see enough to navigate, correct? And so in that moment, you wouldn't say it's dark. You may say it's dim, but you would never say it's dark. Why? Because the presence of that light has changed the definition of darkness. 
That's what happened on that night. The definition of darkness changed forever. Listen to me. The birth of that child changed the definition of darkness. It changed how you were defined as darkness as a result of what those shepherds experienced in that moment. It started right here. And in this moment where all of a sudden this amazing event is happening, it says they were both terrified and comforted at the same time. It says they were terrified and the angel said, don't be afraid. A real encounter with God (laughs) or one of God's emissaries will rightly result in your terror. And you read the account of men and women in Scripture who have encountered God and most of them were not sure they would live through the encounter. The prophet, I am a man of unclean lips among unclean people. I am ruined. Mary, the angel came, told her this and says she was what? She was a little concerned. As a matter of fact, Scripture says beyond a little concern, it says she was greatly troubled. What does this mean? Is this the last thing one hears before they're smitten? Smitten, smoked, dead, not living here anymore? Is this what it sounds like right before an angel kills you? And yet that angel said to her, do not be what? Afraid. You see, a real encounter with God will be both one of terror and comfort at the same time. And somehow, we're people that want to live in the comfort side of God and not in the terror side of God. I don't have time to break this out for you. And I'm a, let me tell you, I like the songs and I'm as, I'm as charismatic and buddy-buddy as the rest of you. But somewhere we've lost the terror and the terrifying of a transcendent God who at His mere word created everything and at His word will destroy it all. Somehow we've lost the terror of that. So you mean I'm supposed to be afraid of God? Only if you've got any sense. But Pastor Jim, I thought he was my friend. Can we be friends? Yeah, he's your friend. But did you ever cross that line with mom and dad? Did you ever cross that? I thought we were friends. Do not confuse my parentage with our friendship because I will violate our friendship in a New York minute in order to be your daddy. Don't kid yourself. You'll have a lot of friends, but you'll have one father. Don't kid yourself. When it comes down to a choice between being your daddy Being the omnipotent, being the creator above all, he will choose it every time over being your friend. He said, oh, I don't like this message much. I'm sorry. This good Christmas message right here. (laughs) And then the angel speaks. I bring you good news. Good. 
of great joy that will be for all the people. You know this, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He's Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Jesus will always be the good news. You know, there's a lot of news that moves through the church that sounds like good news. But Jesus will always be the good news, and the good news will always incorporate two elements. One, it will bring great joy, and two, it will be for all people. Both of those should be hallmarks of this gospel. Both of those are hallmarks of good news. It brings great joy when we hear it. And secondly, it is for all people. Not just some folk, but it's for ISIS. It's for Syrians, Iranians. Hear me. This is a gospel for all people. Not just the people that we want to like and say they deserve good news. But it is a message for what? All people. Hmm. You know, and there's, there's news that we get that's it makes us happy. We have good news that makes us happy, don't we? Here's your refund check. We like that news. We like news when the blue lights are still in the rearview mirror. I'm going to let you. I'm, I'm going to let you off with a warning this time. That's good news. It's good news when when we open our mail and 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 there there are checks in there rather than bills. I mean, there's good news that makes us happy, but there's only one news that brings us great joy consistently. Great joy. And you know the prophetic. Times, seasons, events, elections, numbers, looking for news that's about our world or maybe about our lives. There's nothing inherently wrong with that, so long as it doesn't become an end in and of itself. And we're people that love revelation. We, we want to know, you know, talk to me about my life. Tell me what the stock market's going to do. Give me, give me a heads up on all of this. And yet Revelation 19.10, John the Revelator, this angel begins to speak and this amazing angelic being at this, verse 10, I fell at his feet and began to worship. But he said, don't do it. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You see, somewhere in all of our desire for revelation and prophecy and foretelling and forthtelling, somewhere there should be inherent in it Jesus. Somewhere in there, there should be some testimony, some message that's about Him, not just about us. Not just about our future wife or husband are not just about what the economy is going to do, but somewhere there should be some message that's pointing back to God himself. So these guys begin to listen to all of this. And then all of a sudden, heaven can't shut up. Have you ever had a good, had a piece of information and you begin to, and, and other people knew it as well. And you're trying to be the one to, 
to, to share it. And, and then everybody just, they all just come out at the same time. There's just no emotional intelligence. Everybody just got, bruh, we're in a new building. God got us in. I mean, you don't get the privilege of just one voice telling it. But everybody that has the information, they all want to just jump in and say it at once. Well, this lone angel is there delivering this news, and heaven just, heaven had a praise break. Heaven busted open in this moment. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. In other words, we've been waiting a long time for this. However, eternity is defined a long time. With no beginning and middle and end, somehow we've been waiting a long time. But now that it's finally here, we got we to gotta join this. It's like a song. It doesn't matter if you can sing or not. If you like it, you're, you try to sing with it. Except the difference is the heavenly host can sing in tune. They, they've had it together a long time. And it says the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now notice as heaven begins to talk. And throughout Scripture, whenever heaven opens and heaven begins to talk, one needs to listen. Jesus' baptism. This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Jesus' mount of transfiguration. Same testimony, listen to him. And throughout Scripture, whenever heaven has declared something, that's a moment that one needs to hear something carefully. But what was heaven declaring here? Glory to God in the highest. Notice the priority of heaven is always God first. Now, I hate to break this to you because I know your mama told you something different. But you are not the priority of heaven. All that stuff that you've been waiting for, and you go, when I get to heaven, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to. It's not about you. Heaven's about one entity. It's all about God. And all your questions and all the things on your heavenly bucket list, all that stuff that I can't wait till I'm in heaven, I'm going to eat all the onion rings I want, never gain any weight. You know what I'm talking about. All of that, you know, you're not going to have any time for that. It's not going to make any difference in the light of His glory. God is always the priority of heaven. And notice even in this amazing exclamation from heaven, glory to God in the highest is the first thing heaven declares. But then, to the men on the earth, there's a promise that extends across all generations. First of all, peace to men. How many of you want peace? You know, the reality is what we think we want is a simple life. First of all, it doesn't exist, not here. But the reality is what we want is not really simplicity. What we want is peace. That's the real, that's the real cry inside of the soul of a man or a woman is to be at peace. Isaiah 9 again, verses 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government, say government, will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, verse 7, 
of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Listen to me carefully. Only his government can yield peace. Let me say it again. Only his government can yield peace. You know, we all think we want to be in charge until we're in charge of something. Remember? You were a kid. I can't wait till I'm a parent. Because I'm going to give I, all, the, all the candy they want. I'm going to let my kids have any, anything they want. Stay up all night long. And then you get to be a parent. And all of a sudden now, you have government. It's not nearly as much fun as it looked like, is it? Or maybe you finally get that promotion at work. Or maybe you finally get to work for yourself. Ha! Yeah! I'm working in my bathrobe now. If I don't feel like working on Thursday, I just ain't going to work work on Thursday. Great. You ain't going to be paying bills on Friday. Said, I'm an entrepreneur now. I work for myself. Don't anybody tell me when to go to work or what to do. And he said, it sounds like a lot of fun until you realize, yeah, but I don't get a paycheck every week. All of a sudden, that the government of whether or not I get paid and these people around me, they get paid, all of a sudden the government for that now is on me. And it's just like anybody hiring. Prior to coming into ministry, I spent about eight years doing the whole entrepreneurial thing. Wasn't nearly as much fun as it looked like, let me tell you. The government, only his government can yield peace. Listen to this, saints. And where his government is increasing, peace is increasing. And where his government is decreasing, peace decreases with it. You know, the world does the best it can to govern itself. We try. We really do. Different forms of government throughout the ages, they've tried. They've given it a good shot. Here in the United States, you know, we're the, we're the youngsters. We're the kids. Less than 300 years old. We don't know if this federal republic thing will really work. History hasn't really borne it out in terms of governments and civilizations. And we look at the current situation in government, we don't see a whole lot of peace, do we? Because where you see a lot of man and a lot of government, you're going to find a corresponding lack of peace. But how does that play out in your life and in mine? Government is just a fancy way of saying lordship. You realize that's all that is. It's like, I'll do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, and how much I want to do it. God says, go ahead with your bad self then. Let me just step off here and just see how long it takes you to run off into the ditch because it won't take long. Before you run out of gas or run out of money or run out of sense, and God will just step off and says, go ahead, big boy, drive that thing. You see, our personal government, and you realize that the 
way government was originally defined had nothing to do with what we use it as today in a corporate sense. Government had to do with how one governed their own life, their own ethical system, their own morality, how they did life. It was, that was how government was originally defined. And for you and I, we, we, we sometimes we need to do a little peace check and say, am I at peace? No, I'm not. Why not? The question is, is his government increasing in your life? Because if his government is truly increasing, your level of peace should be rising. And then on whom his favor rests. Psalm 69, 13. I pray to you, O Lord, in the time of your favor. Isaiah 61, 2. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Psalm 102, 13. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to show favor to her. Time, year. The question is, when is this? When is this moment of favor that I can mark on the calendar and I can step into so I can have some of this? Let me tell you where, let me, let me tell you the win of God's favor. It's found right here in Luke 2. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. That moment released God's favor for a lifetime, for generations. Do I believe that there are unique moments in God that we need to discern and step into? Yes. But I think many times we're waiting for something to be marked on the calendar, some sign in the heavens for the favor of God to inquire or ask. And God says, today. Today, in the town of David, a Savior. Do you realize that's the proclamation of the favor of God in that moment that now extends to you and I? And yet, we step back and say, I don't feel it. I don't see it. By all standards of measurement, I, 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 don't, I don't see favor in my life. But listen to me, saints. Favor is a declaration and a condition. It's not a perfect circumstance. And if your unit of measure is for everything to line up in a favorable way, if that's how you define favor, you're going to be waiting a long time to acknowledge and declare what God has already declared over your life. His favor cannot extend anymore. Today, today in Bethlehem, a Savior is born. And His favor lasts a lifetime. And then it says that they hurried. It says after heaven had closed up and the angel had gone and the, 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 the praise break had ended, they said, let's go hurry and see this thing. Let's go. Let's move from where we are. Let's go see this. Let's go and see. And once they had gone and seen, then let us go and tell. And all who heard, it says, were amazed. 
You know, we find right there in Luke 2, prior to the, prior to the proclamation of Matthew 28, what we find is the mission of the church right here, to go and see and then go and tell so that all could be amazed. Good news. Great joy for all people. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. Pray with me.